calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Debt. Does the global economy have too much debt or can we afford more? And what exactly is the cost of debt? Is it what we think it is or is it higher or lower than that? These are some of the questions we're going to explore in this interview. I'm Usman Hat from CF Institute and I'm joined by Paul Mills. Paul is an economist and he has a keen interest in debt finance and its alternatives. Welcome, Paul. Thanks for having me. So let's start off by figuring out what exactly are the global debt levels. Give us some sense of that. Yeah, so in advanced economies, uh, they, it varies between countries, but uh, essentially uh, debt to GDP, that's the measure of the economy, levels have grown significantly over the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, in the UK, if you include banks uh, on their net debt levels, we're at sort of 500% of GDP in the periphery in the euro area, 400% if you include households, government and companies. Some of that has come down uh, since uh, the crisis as uh, households and companies have repaid debt. But in the main, it's been shifted to governments. So if you look at the total debt in the US, it stayed pretty much flat at its peak uh, around 2010. Uh, but government has continued to borrow as households have started repaying debt or had that debt written off through mortgage foreclosures and short sales. So we've, we are seeing an increase in global debt levels. So what explains the dominance of debt in the global financial system? Well, first of all, it's because our system is set up to intermediate finance in that way. We subsidize banks, uh, which are essentially debt-generating balance sheets. When we think about uh, companies expanding themselves, Sometimes they do it through shares, but often they're borrowing from banks or through the bond market. When we think about buying a house, it's invariably through a debt contract rather than through a lease-to-buy contract or something else. Now, some of that is because debt is simple and promises certainty. Some of it is because of artificial incentives. So uh, generally, governments subsidize uh, debt through the tax system for companies and sometimes for households. Uh, it, across the piece, countries subsidise banks through bailouts, uh, through assisted capital schemes, through not even charging for deposit insurance is another sort of subsidy of the debt system. And then we have bailouts after when the thing uh, goes, gets into trouble. And is this what we saw in the 2008 financial crisis? Yes. Yeah, so we saw some debts right, written off through corporate insolvencies, Lehman's being the biggest um, but invariably, we saw bailouts of banks rather than banks failing, companies failing. So even automakers in the US were bailed out. Uh, banks had government uh, guarantees given to them or equity given to them. So the UK still owns um, over 80% of the shares in 
Royal Bank of Scotland, for instance, five years after the crisis uh, or after that happened um, because uh, the government couldn't afford a major bank collapse like that. Uh, so um, we've seen that process of um, bailout with low interest rates and continuing um, stimulus through government borrowing and very accommodative monetary policy because that debt burden is so high and growth and inflation has not uh, made it affordable yet. So given what you've said, tell us your views about the cost of debt. Yeah, so essentially the debt system, when times are good, it looks cheap and things uh, work well. Uh, credit conditions loosen as people get more optimistic, as house prices rise and so on. So debt looks cheaper. Uh, and through all the subsidies that are given to it, people are encouraged to uh, use those ways of financing. Uh, the problem is that the costs, when things go wrong, are shared uh, to third parties through inflation, uh, through bailouts, through bankruptcy. And so we have this sort of bizarre system that encourages uh, people to take risk and subsidizes them to do that. And then other people, taxpayers, savers, etc., are forced to t bear the costs when things go wrong. But is there any alternative to debt financing? Yeah, so if we thought carefully about what was going on, I think there are. Um, so, for instance, uh, companies can finance themselves either through just common equity, where shareholders take that risk up front, or through uh, more sophisticated leasing arrangements. So you're not borrowing to buy an asset, you actually lease the asset physically itself. Um, a lease-to-buy contract is a perfectly feasible alternative to a mortgage. Indeed, the financial flows may be exactly the same, but the allocation of risk and the incentives to speculate uh, through borrowing are very different. And so one would expect uh, the financial system to be a lot more stable if it was uh, based on a non-debt basis. We could then allow banks um, to actually fail, take risk and fail, uh, and that wouldn't then have the ripple effect on effects to others. So if we segregated out, protected the payment system, just small amounts of bank deposits that were guaranteed by the government and would always be there, and then allow the saving and, in, and lending side of the banks to be split out and to take loss if they made loss, to, to share gains if they made gains, and be very explicit about uh, the losses and the profits being shared uh, to reflect the underlying economy, then you'd have a much more stable system that didn't need bailing out. I see. So if risk-sharing arrangements are a more stable alternative to debt financing, why do we not see a shift towards them? So it's partly because... As I said, we have a lot of subsidies built into the system, which are very hard to take away. People don't understand that they're there. It's partly because debt is a cheap way of contracting. It uh, reduces transaction costs because you don't need a lot of information flowing between the lender and the borrower. Uh, it's because we've got the system as the way it is, and it's very hard to shift to a completely different system. Um, and it's because we've got lots of vested interests uh, wanting to maintain this status quo. So, for instance, if you said take away the tax break to corporate debt, 
Uh, that would have very big effects on share prices of companies that have a lot of debt and take a lot of uh, tax subsidy as a result of that versus companies that don't. And so those that do and the intermediaries that benefit from that have a very strong incentive to ensure that that doesn't happen. So you talked about uh, the political economy of debt and the special interests. Uh, what about the public interest regarding debt? Yeah, so I would say that uh, the taxpayer needs to be protected from having to subsidise the system. Now, in one sense, the taxpayer benefits from having a system wanting to buy government debt. And so the taxpayer, effectively, when politicians don't want to match spending with tax, uh, have the ability to borrow, usually via debt, and that benefits taxpayers. But when it comes to banks, corporates and so on, I would say it's in the taxpayers' interests not to subsidise this system that then gets us into trouble, leads to a more uh, volatile and uh, unstable uh, economy. So I don't understand why, why we have this uh, sort of default uh, setting where debt is subsidised relative to the alternatives because it, it, it's a bit like uh, polluting finance. Uh, it's cheap up front, but costs go to other people. Rather than subsidising pollution, we tend to tax it. So why do we tax subsidised debt rather than tax it? Mm -hmm. So lots of externalities associated with debt. So how would you summarise your views you know, regarding the debt levels, the cost of debt, and um, moving towards alternatives? How would you summarise your thoughts? Yeah, so my thoughts would generally be um, that... A, a non-debt or a much lower leveraged financial system is the ideal. And that, for me, is the sort of point of the horizon you should need to be moving uh, the system towards. But it would be very, very disruptive and costly to try and jump there straight away. And so I would advocate trying to move the system towards that point of greater stability, fairness, and so on, uh, by removing these subsidies, maybe reversing them, uh, allowing debts to uh, be written off when they uh, become uncommercial rather than uh, rolled over or perpetuated and make the system able to take the risks of its own uh, decisions rather than needing very low interest rates or inflation or bailouts to keep on subsidising this process and keeping a very high debt burden that is going to be a problem for future generations. Interesting. So move to a low-level debt economy for fairness and more stability. That was Paul Mills sharing his thoughts on debt. Thank you, Paul, for your time. Thank you. And thank you, our viewers, for joining us. Copyright 2014 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.